I do think that the longer that we live as men in the world, the less that the things that used to light us up continue to light us up. And so how do we find greater levels of meaning in the brotherhood, in the men that we have, in the relationships that we have, in the family life that we have, in the daily work that we have? How do we bring back fulfillment? And what are the things that we need to do in order to do that? Welcome to Men This Way, the podcast for every man who seeks to live his deepest purpose in life, who's committed to showing up fully and giving his unique gifts to the world. Because if not you, then who? I'm your host and fellow journeyman, Brian Reeves. Brian with a Y, Reeves. Men This Way. In this episode, my brilliant and inspired guest is none other than Tate Arendt. Tate is actually my business partner in my company, Men This Way, and my co-facilitator for the last three years in the men's work I've been hosting for men all over the world. He and I together have stewarded around 50 men through our two immersive coaching programs, our year-long Elevate Men's Coaching Experience, and our new live six-month coaching experience, Elevate Your Relationship, in which we work with men committed to improving their intimate relationship experiences. Now, you should also know, Tate is my childhood best friend of, we're coming up on 40 years of friendship next year. He's truly one of my favorite people on the planet. You could say in many ways, we raised each other through our adolescent years when we didn't really have other people, certainly not any wise male elders, showing up for us. Tate has made a beautiful life for himself in the decades we've known each other. He's a family man with two kids that I just adore. A lovely wife, Elsa, who's one of my wife's best friends. And Tate is masterful in his facilitation of men. He's spent years mentoring men in 12-step programs. And he's been a leadership coach and, and worked for a decade in consulting, guiding Fortune 500 companies and their employees through monumental shifts. Everyone loves Tate, and you're going to love him too. Tate and I dive into a profound conversation around what men really want in life, what typically stands in our way of having it, and what aspects of life it could truly serve us to focus on if we are to ever genuinely thrive in the ways that matter most to us. We talk brotherhood, and we talk about the five pillars of a thriving man, our map for manhood, which we steward men through in our year-long Elevate coaching program, which, by the way, is now open for application at Brian Reeves, Brian with a Y, reeves.com slash elevate. Uh, but I'm going to let this episode speak for itself because it's such a good one. Now, if you want to share feedback or share what this conversation inspired in you, you can Email me directly at brian at brianreeves.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts. This episode drops all kinds of wisdom nuggets and insights that could absolutely be life-changing for you. So take a deep breath and stay present with us all the way through to the end of this episode of Men This Way. All right, let's dive. My man, Tate Aaron. What's up, man? Welcome back to Men This Way. I think this is like the third time. Might be the third time. I'm excited, actually. I think in the future, we're gonna, you and I are going to be doing this a lot more. 
I'm excited for that. That really excites me. For my listeners, we're about to hire a new podcast production company to really just take this to the next level. And as part of that vision, you know, Tate and I are going to be doing more of this work together because we are doing this work together, Tate. Well, first, man, it's pretty exciting. Look, we've been friends. We're coming up on 40 years of <laughs> That's friendship. Crazy. That's crazy. 40 years of friendship. I think we met when we we're each 10 years old. Might have met or, when we were nine. Yeah, give yeah. or take. Might have met at around nine or so. And But the friendship didn't lock in until we started mowing lawns together so we could buy <laughs> Nintendo. Nintendo. <laughs> Share the Nintendo. <laughs> one week at your place, one week at mine. That's right. I'm curious, man. What's one of your favorite kind of like long-standing inside jokes that we have, or you know, little fun, all the millions of little funny things? What's one of your favorites? Man, it's too many. I do love how we used to call each other on uh, our birthday. So on my birthday, I would call you, and we would have because we would only at that time we're, you were off to college and I was off to college. We would pretty much only talk at the time social media wasn't thing thing yeah. emails weren't a thing so we would talk maybe two times a year and so one of those times would be on my birthday I would call you and we would have this awesome conversation drop in and at the very end of the conversation I'd be like yo by the way it's my birthday I'd be like, <laughs> we oh were. shit <laughs> you got me you got, got me, me. And then Best I'd, friends forever and we didn't give a shit about each other's birthday and then I'd do it three months later on no, May 18th. I was more, more adept to it, though. I was like, oh, is it his birthday? Damn it. Might, well, but you might have caught on quicker, but it, it went a number of years before years. either of us really figured out the pattern. What, was what's on. one of yours? You know, I was, I was thinking of the, uh, the business plan. So I'm in France. What, I'm 26, 27. I'm living in France. I'm married to a French woman, and I'm trying to bring my father's business to France, selling watches in short. And I just got out of the military. I didn't know anything about being an entrepreneur, being a businessman, whatever. It's like, oh, you just, you know, I source the product and then I sell it. Easy. I got this. And I remember talking to you on the phone long distance and you asked me something like, I don't remember the exact question, but you're like, so, you know, what's your business plan? Are you writing a business plan? Do you remember what I said to you? <laughs> why do I need that? I was like, no, why do I need a business plan? And you did what you often do when you see me making a fool of myself is you burst out laughing. Like your laughter was both obnoxious and infectious at the same time. It's like, I still didn't make a business plan and that business failed. That business never went anywhere. But that's because that just wasn't my destiny. Right, right, right. And, and it, just, it just, it's funny. It came up yesterday again, because we were talking about, you know, this house that I own and how to, to make that work for me in the crazy market that we're in. And. I was like, damn, Tate, how do you know about all this stuff? So good, man. Like, you, you really have this shit figured out. I was like, is that because you do business plans? I think you were, you were just coming fresh off of an MBA, right? Yeah, that's that, right. Whatever that was 20 years ago. I, I will say, though, and I said this yesterday, I still don't have a business plan. It doesn't doing, seem to matter for you. Doing all so right. Far, so far, <laughs> doing so well. good. So good. I'll, I'll do the business plan. We'll just figure yeah. it out together. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Man. what an honor, man. 40 years. And I, as I think about, you know, we've shared kind of this story before, but in large measure, we became each other's best friends because neither of us really had our fathers as present as we needed them to be yeah. at the time. And we filled this gap for one another. But I think that our story is not 
dissimilar from many men's stories, which is that we go on and do our own thing and create our own lives and go off to college and go off and get jobs. And even though we were best friends, neither of us really knew the pain and the struggle and the difficulties that we were going through. And, you know, to have best friends, but to not really be living life together to really share not in just our struggles, but in our hopes and our dreams, there was a deep missing, I think for me, for sure. And we've shared for each of us. And then also for each of us about 10 years ago, we were going through our own unique versions of dark nights of the soul. And neither of us, again, knew depth of despair that we were in. And then when we finally realized that, it was like this huge awakening about how in the world does the person who knows and loves me the most in the world, besides my mother, yeah. how, how does this guy not know the pain and the suffering that I'm in and the despair yeah. and the lack of direction that, yeah. that I was in? And thank God that coming out of each of those moments for us, there was a calling that came upon our hearts to change that. And, you know, even as you're saying that, you know, I, I recall like you and I at certain moments in years past, we had an inkling that something was going on with the other. Sure. You sure. saw me suffering in a relationship. Yeah. But, you know, and I saw you, I think when I moved to California, I saw you going through something in your relationship. Yeah. But neither of us had any clue how to confront that. that in a in a yeah. respectful, thoughtful, yeah. helpful way. I mean, I recall that now. Man, I would approach that so differently. Our cluelessness, because again, no one was showing us how to do this any differently. Yeah. Just enable each other to continue down this just <laughs> treacherous road of self-sabotage. Well, I think, I think the idea of friendships historically is, well, just support what, mm. no matter what, just, right. okay, just, okay. So they're suffering. I got your back and not really have real conversations with you. Not because we didn't want to help each other, but we had no idea how to really speak yeah. into the struggle of another man in a way that really yeah. held them accountable in a, in a way that could serve them. Right. I had no idea how to do that. And Same. I so wish that I did. And it was only out of the pain and the suffering of my own journey that and your own journey that we finally got to a place where we're like, man, we got to figure out how to do this differently because this is not working. Yeah. So flash forward to that place. Take us there. Well, so I, I think the the one of the most pivotal moments of my adult life was I guess it was about six years ago now. I was living in Charlotte. You were living out in LA. I was traveling for work and, and we made this decision to, to go to Lake Arrowhead about an hour and a half North of, I guess, Los Angeles at the time. Mm -hmm. We kind of said, well, let's go do this retreat together. And me, you and your dog, Yellow John went up to this beautiful cabin and really made the decision to kind of have a journey together. And on that, that journey, we watched that movie wind river, mm -hmm. which has, you know, not to give away the whole story, but Jeremy Renner is works on a Native American reservation out in like Wyoming. And at the very beginning of the movie, he happens upon this girl who has been murdered and is laying in the snow. And as it turns out, it's actually the daughter of one of his closest friends, played by an actor, Graham Greene, who obviously has lost his daughter. And you fast forward to the end of the movie and Jeremy goes to be with him sitting outside of his home and finds him out there. And he's has all this like native American war paint painted on his face. And Jeremy goes to sit down with him and he's like, what's that? 
Mm. And Graham says, it's my death face. And Jeremy says, well, how do you know? And Graham says, well, I don't because there's no one left to show me what it's supposed to look like. So I just made it up. And it was in that moment watching that movie that both you and I really got clued into that is the experience of a modern day man that we we have a whole lot of olders and not a lot of elders to show us what our passion face should look like what our intimacy face should look like what our purpose face what our what our what our anger and conflict face what, what we it should look like and it's not because we don't want to do better as men in the world it's cuz nobody has really shown us how to do better and that was really the birthplace at sitting at that fireplace, that gigantic fireplace with that gigantic log yeah. that that something kind of got burned inside of you, which was this vision of creating this podcast that we're actually sitting on, which is named Men This Way. Men, let's walk along a path together so we're no longer lone wolfing it through our life. And let's find a way to elevate the experience that we're having in, in life as men, only by which we are able to raise up together. And you take us into how that led to this conversation of what we need as men. Yeah, I remember that night when men this way, that the name came forward. I'd often lived with this question, especially as I've stepped into men's work. Okay. You know, seeing the world, seeing a lot of people who were reading my blogs, reading my work on particularly around relationships and what I was waking up to as a man and, and pe seeing people look to me for leadership. Now I was a captain in the air force and okay, I know what my mission is, right? And I had people that were looking up to me to help them execute the mission. It's pretty clear in the military, they give you your mission. Well, as a man, I had no fucking idea what my mission was, is at the time. And men this way, like leading men, where the hell am I taking them? Where are we going? Mm -hmm. I don't fucking know where I'm going. Again, like Graham Greene, there's no one left to show me. The actor in the, in the show, in Wind River, there's no one left to show me. So, and I don't just want to make some shit up. Right. That doesn't feel true. That right. doesn't feel honoring of integrity. So I went to sleep that night and I remember waking up with these, with, I think, I think I might've woken up with four pillars. These four pillars of manhood, right? What it means to, to be a man or how to thrive as a man. I can't remember. I don't re actually remember if I had four or five, but I remember, I think, I think you helped me find the a last pillar in that. I, sh I, I think I, I remember asking you, what do you think the pillars are? And again, like you, I think like some of them were just immediately obvious to you. We mm -hmm. did a little bit of wrangling to kind of fit it all together. But I remember just waking up that morning with this vision. Yeah. Okay. There are these pillars of a, of a man's life that when we put intention into these domains, these areas, when we live them well, this is like a map for a man to thrive in his life. It wasn't me prescribing what is manhood. I don't want to do right. that. I don't want to tell right. any man what manhood be. I mean, we, you figure that out for yourself. Let's figure it out together. We can find our way together. It's not for me to prescribe. Sure. But these pillars were very orienting. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit. Should we just dive into the pillars? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. So like the, this, this first pillar, what you and I were, were enacting, we're stepping into that weekend with the pillar of brotherhood. That's a pillar that had never occurred to me in my life that I yeah. needed men alongside me. I had only learned to distrust men really, mm. you know, in fact, doing this work, it's just occurred to me. I've seen it over and over and over how, you know, it's common knowledge that women don't trust men. 
it's not very commonly talked about that men don't That's trust right. men. That's right. And so this first and, and and oftentimes that the birthplace of men not trusting other men is found inside of of their home, right? They don't trust their father to be mm-hmm. there, to be present for them, to show up for them, to do the things that they needed their fathers to do for them to be able to step into knowing what it means to be a real man in the world. And so if we can't trust our fathers, and then the undercutting of adolescent youth, which is just to to make fun of and to cut and to slight and to figure out who's the baddest guy in the room. It's, there's just inherently distrust born inside of what it means to be a man standing with another man. Am I safe in this guy's presence? Are they safe in mine? You and I did not have, we didn't have actual brothers in our family. That's right. Right. But so many of the men we've worked with mm. had brothers. That's right. That they were in competition with. That yeah. again, that lack of safety and trust yeah. was created from a young age with, with another man or men in their home. I look at yeah. my father, my father and his brothers, their relationship's been a disaster over the mm. years. Yeah. So again, that, that distrust of men gets created in us early and per- perpetuated into adulthood. And so it was really a surprise to me that brotherhood emerged quickly as like one of these pillars. And yet, as I've now been immersed in men's work leading men's work, being in my own men's groups for many years now. Oh my God. I don't know how the fuck I lived without safe, trustable men around me regularly. Well, and I think that the, the experience of most men is that we've got guys around us, but we're talking about sports together. We're talking about politics together. We're talking about our work together. We're talking about how to make money together. We're talking about women together but we're not really dropping into the experience of that we're having as men in the world, the struggles, the pain, the hurt, the difficulties, the, the challenges that we're facing, because then we would, it would be force us to be vulnerable in ways that we're not necessarily sure we're safe to be vulnerable in. And so what, for me in my life, the, the problem with that was, is that I didn't know how to turn to other men to help me figure out how to become a man in the world. So what did I do? I turned to women to validate me as a man. Mm -hmm. I had to be told by a woman that I was a man for me to start feeling okay about myself. And what a disaster that is that when we don't have other men to really hold us up, to hold us accountable, to lift us up, to support us, to witness us, to challenge us. And when men are turning to women to validate them as men, there's a whole host of challenges that that then reveals and and creates as a as a pattern because men who don't have men doing that who only turn to women to do that well women aren't there to hold what there is to be a man in the world they have no idea what it's like to be a man in the world they they have their own tr- unique struggles around what it's to be a woman in today's case. so so that that pillar i yeah. mean what a what a foundation for us to lean into the others. Yeah. And, and the moment a woman gets angry or upset or frustrated mm. in which communicates then to us and our brains, oh my God, not getting the job done. I'm not making her happy. It just reinforces the fear That's that right. I'm not a man. That's right. As you said, shit show. And there's so much more we could say about this. And I, and yeah. I want to I speak to if what Tate and I are sharing about, if what we're talking about is connecting, is landing deeply for you listening. And I'm talking to the men right now, and we have a lot of, of women that listen to the show as well. Maybe you're partnered with a man that this might resonate with. Just know that Tate and I lead a group of men. We go deep and intimate with a group of men, a small group of men, just 10 men every year in our Elevate 
program. Right now we're enrolling for Elevate 2024. So these pillars that we're talking about, this brotherhood experience that we're talking about, again, if this speaks to you, if this feels like something that could deeply support you and light up your life and help you elevate your life in the ways that are most meaningful to you, go to brianreeves.com slash elevate. It's brian with a Y, reeves.com slash elevate. At the time of this recording, we actually only have seven spots left and we get a lot of applications. So please, if this speaks to you, go to brianreeves.com slash elevate and apply ASAP. Okay, great. Because there's so much more. We do this for an entire year. We dive into these pillars. Mm. And anyway, it's a brotherhood pillar. Let's assume that that's covered, even though it's not, right? Oh, my God. There's just so much more. So much more. Yeah. So the second pillar, intimacy. Now, this Mm. is an interesting pillar, intimacy. Because I remember one of the things in our conversation that morning, one of the things that you brought up is when I shared these pillars is like, well, where's the health pillar? Where's the fitness, health, and because of the work that I had been doing with a, with, particularly with two teachers, Michaela Boehm and Steve James, they were helping to redefine intimacy for me, not mm. as just something you do with another person, but intimacy is the foundation of intimacy is true intimacy is intimacy with yourself. It's getting, yeah. it's becoming intimate with the moment, intimate with what is happening in my body, my mind, my thoughts my feelings, my emotions, my desires, my needs, my, all of that stuff, my wounds, like that's intimacy. From this foundation of intimacy with self, now I can show up powerfully and be intimate with another because I'm no longer seeing that person necessarily just through my own projections. So I'm not seeing them at all in that kind of intimacy where I'm just seeing you through my stories, through my you know, seeing my wife, for example, through my projections, my stories, my upsets, my all these things, I'm not seeing her at all. You know, I'm seeing her through muddy water. But as I'm able to become more intimate with my own body, my own feelings, now I can be present and really witness what is happening for my wife, for example. Yeah. And that was, that was transformational as an offering to that conversation for me, because to see how those were inextricably linked was a a new paradigm for me. Mm. And, and what it led me to really realize about myself is that it's like, when I started trying to identify, you ask most men how they feel, they'll tell you what they think. That was me. Yeah. Right. That was me. me Sometimes. How how do I feel? Well, I can tell you, I'm, this is what I think about this, but to really be in tune with the emotions that I'm hope, fear, angst, worry, anxiety, depression, whatever it is that I'm feeling. And if I wasn't in tune with that, it's like, I needed one of those feelings wheel. I know it's so crazy, but I needed one of those things to help me be able to articulate what was actually happening on the inside because the way that I normally felt was fine. I'm fine. That's how I'm feeling. But what that led me to really understand is that unless I was in tune with the feelings that were happening for me, when my partner wanted to come to me with their feelings, I was going to reject those. I was going to say, well, I I can't even handle my own feelings. Why are you expressing your feelings to me? So it was like, it was like the container from which I could begin to experience the real yeah. intimacy of relationship, which is what are the feelings and sensations that I'm having in my own body? Cause then I can hold the feelings and sensations that my partner would bring yeah. to me. And, yeah. and that was revolutionary yeah. for me to really realize I had a lot of my own work to do in that space. Yeah. yeah. And what I love about this pillar of intimacy, the way that you and I frame it and hold it, this intimacy with self as a foundation for intimacy with other, is it gives rise to, well, 
if I'm not feeling good in my body, well, what do I need? Do mm. I need a nap? Do I need to go to the gym? You know, I, I injured my bicep this summer because I was pushing myself too hard in the gym, doing an exercise that I, my body was giving me the feedback. Don't do this. And I was like, nah, I got this shit. I'm crushing Override. it. Oh yeah. I feel that fucking pain. That's, that's growth right there, baby. Yeah, yeah. No, it wasn't. I was fucking straining my bicep to the point where I couldn't use it the next day. Yeah. Right. That was me again, not being intimate with myself, but rather getting lost in a, in a story and a fantasy yeah. and a fiction yeah. about what I should be doing at the gym. So yeah. that's the second pillar intimacy. Yeah. Let me just say the, the last piece of this for me is what we've uncovered through the last several years of working with men is the three major challenges that, that men are experiencing in relationship, especially the longer that the relationship goes on is that resentment is just just living in the space mm. and conflict is living in the space. And over time, what happens inside of intimate relationships is that they become more like roommates rather than lovers. And what's critical for men to do to deal with those three things, resentment, conflict, and roommate syndrome is they have to find a way to be powerfully present inside the relationship. They've got to find a way to be skillfully communicating in ways that really speak to their own needs and desires, but is able to hold the needs and desires of others and to really figure out how to build a passionate connection that can be a, a buttressing effect of what's naturally occurring in most relationships, which has most people just survive them. Well said, man. Yeah, intimacy. What a, what a rich pillar to explore. Mm, indeed. Pillar number three. And by the way, these are in no particular order necessarily, yeah. although men over the years have tried to put them in an order, you know, like this. And, mm -hmm. and maybe, you know, maybe I'm open to and, that. And for each, each guy, there probably is, there may be an order. There may, right? Exactly. I would say for me, the foundation of having a brotherhood as a pillar, which is the, the foundation for which I needed the support to lean into the others was for me that that was in, in some ways foundation. Yeah. Yeah. So third pillar, purpose. I mean, purpose is such a buzzword in men's work and amongst men in particular, and it, it can be controversial. I mean, I've had lots of conversations about purpose over the years with, with elders, with, with you know, my peers. And, but one thing just rings so profoundly true, and we see this in the men we work with every year, this idea of purpose. Like, why am I here? Mm. What am I for? What is, what is my utility? But what, what is my service? You know, one of the distinctions I like to make between manhood and boyhood is, is boys save, men serve. You know, yeah. Boys want to be the hero. It doesn't matter. Just give me a dragon to fight. I'll fight it. I don't care what I'm fighting. I just need something to fight so that I can prove myself. Like That's all about me. And that's fine. There's a place that's a healthy psychologically developmental stage we must go through in adolescence. But once we become adults, we realize, well, there's nothing to save. I mean, I've saved shit and it doesn't fucking work. Yeah. My wife doesn't want me to save her. You know, my company is like, there's always going to be problems. The question then becomes, and I think this is something you and I do really well in our Elevate program, is that we help men get clear on that, that deeper why. That's right. What am I here to serve? You know, for what purpose am I here to serve? And that, you know, I, I, I remember I'm, what, what are we, 49 yeah. I remember when I was 21, 22, I was in the military and I was getting a master's degree in human relations, doing some master's degree work. And, you know, the military is big on missions and vision statements and mission statements. So I was like, well, let me do one for my life. 
And I still have that card. I actually didn't pull it out. I should have pulled it out for this interview. I think it's in my desk here somewhere. But I remember, you know, almost 30 years is wait, is my math right? Yeah. 22, yeah. Almost, almost 30, 30. years later. The, the mission, the vision that I had for myself, the why, you know, it was essentially something to the great, like I'm here to serve love. That's my highest service. And look, what that means has evolved and unfolded over time, yeah, yeah. but that remains true. And it's been the thread that has run through my entire life since, since my early twenties yeah. for all the different things that I've done. Yeah. And, and I think one of the, the things that has been revealed to me, I think that the the problem with purpose, I think for many men is that they have it as it's an out there proposition. Like mm. I haven't yet found my purpose. And so I've got to just keep grinding until I figure out what my purpose is. And I'm just waiting for this day that it will be out there and then I'll find it somehow. Right, right. And what I love about our work is that men get really clear, profoundly clear at the retreat that we do during the year long experience about how it can be a now proposition about right, ultimately around three questions. Yeah. Who am I here to be? What am I here to create? And who am I here to serve? Right. Cause when men get clear for me, when I'm, I'm here to be enlivened, to be generous, to be loving, I'm here to create transformational experiences that can help people come alive. And I'm here to serve people who want to want to come to life more fully. I can do that with my kids. Yeah. I can do that with my wife. I can do that standing in line at a grocery store. Yeah. I can be enlivened, generous, and loving every single moment. And when men really get that it's not an out there proposition, it's a now proposition and, and they can get clear about right. that, that begins to, to transform yeah. every aspect yeah. of their life. Yeah. It's, it's no longer about, I'm, I'm here to be a doctor. That's or right. A, or an artist. I mean, I'm maybe here to make a million dollars. Right. We know that what happens for most men, you know, you talked about this uh, recently, but for most men, we're on the hamster wheel of life. We get the house, the car, the boat, the kids, the job, all the things that we thought that we yeah. needed in order for us to feel deeply a lot enlivened and fulfilled, yeah. only to find that we get all of those things and it comes up short, that we still yeah. are feeling empty. What would you call it? The empty, empty success syndrome. Yeah. ESS. Oh, which can morph into uh, dreaded success syndrome. Like right. I got everything that I want. Well, fuck. And now it's a burden. Now it's a burden. Yeah. It sucks. I want something else. <laughs> Just give me out. And Trade so if you as, as a man are experiencing empty, right? Yeah. Success syndrome, or you're feeling like you got and now it's a burden to you, there is a pathway out of that, that, that has you feel enlivened in a way that, that can break through the success and into significance. Right. And you don't have to give all your money away or leave your, leave your marriage or leave your job. That's what I love. Like you said, purpose becomes something just to underscore that it becomes something that I, my purpose is something I practice every day, regardless whether, you know, I'm, I'm taking a job at Starbucks because I got to feed my family and that's all that's available to me right now. Or, you know, sailing the oceans, cleaning up right. plastic, you know, saving humanity and the whales. And uh, from the penthouse to the outhouse, so to speak, no matter where you're at in life, that there's this opportunity for you to come to life more fully and you yeah. don't have to change anything. Beautiful. Pillar number 
four. Now, this one really surprised me when it came through as well, mm. because this was one that I had kind of run away from for most of my life. And it's the pillar of family. Again, that surprised me because when I when this came through, what, uh, this was 2017. So it was about six, six, is that six, seven years ago. I was living as, about as far away from my family, my birth family as I could. I didn't have a family. I think, I guess I was with Sylvie. Yeah, I was with Sylvie yeah. at this time. Yeah. Uh, but it was a new relationship. We were still, you know, going through our early struggles, trying to figure each other out. I still wasn't really fully trusting in the relationship. And so, you know, and I, I left home when I was 16 and didn't look back, you know, my parents divorced when I was four. Dad was pretty much missing in action ever since then. You know, I, I definitely had my, my, my needs taken care of, but also, you know, my mom was busy. She was working a lot. You know, my stepfather had his challenges and, and his work and his focuses. And, and so I just was felt left alone, yeah. you know, child of neglect that I understand now. Not not harmful or overtly malicious, certainly not malicious neglect at all, but just a sure, kid with, sure. again, no adults helping him through shit. And so I, family, you know, holidays became a thing that was like, I, I don't even go home for the holidays because, well, first I have to choose between parents. I don't want right. to do that. So I'll just do my right. own thing. Anyway, family was not something that I held as mm, a value. Yeah. And... When that came through and I, I realized it was so much more than just about connection to my mom or, a, I mean, it certainly was, the, you know, about the mother wound, the father wound, which we yeah. also explore at depth in our, in our year long experience. It was about my lineage, like my connection yeah. to my ancestors, you know, my, my, you know, the, the Native Americans talk about the seven generations, every choice we make, you know, how, how does it affect seven generations from, from mine? into the future and and also how am i honoring the generations that came before me i mean this is what family meant to me i didn't even have a con concept of family before yeah. that pillar came through yeah and I, I think that one of the things that that we as men need to to square with is that there have been things that have been passed down to us that would deeply serve us to hold on to and there are other things that have been passed down to us that we have got to find a way to let go right. of, or it is going to sabotage the way in yeah. which we're trying to leave a legacy, our own legacy in the world. Mm. And so I think we've done something clever by, and I really mean that by labeling the program elevate, right? Cause what guy yeah. doesn't want to elevate, <laughs> but I think yep. that where, what we have really gotten clear about is that in order for us as men to really be willing to elevate, we must first descend yeah. at times. And so I think oftentimes the family pillar is one of those places where we must first descend so that we can clean up the wreckage of the past and so that we can plant a new lineage for our children. I've got a 13-year-old daughter uh, right now, and she's kind of coming into her own and transitioning out of being a, a toddler and a child into really figuring out how to be a woman. And my son Tate is nine and about to turn 10. And I'm constantly thinking about, I, I feel like I work so hard to be a good parent. And I feel like I'm a pretty average <laughs> dad, no matter how hard I work, but thank God I'm doing the work to clean up the wreckage of my past so that I can plant new seeds and make sure that I don't lead from these generational curses that are inherent as a part of everybody's humanity. I think the other part here that is also critical is that to expand this idea of family, that you have this family of origin and you have a family of choice. Mm. 
Who are the families that we choose to do life with mm. out of not just necessity, but out of choice. And for some men, they actually need to let go of the family of origin. I'm thinking of one, one man in particular, yeah. that it just doesn't serve sometimes, even though it's deeply painful to let go of the relationship with your mother or your father. Yeah. And how can you do that in a way that doesn't burden you and really releases you? And sometimes that's creating a new family of choice. Yeah, beautifully said. Take us into the last pillar. So the last pillar is this pillar of spirituality. And we're, we're really clear not to, it's not religion. It's not religious. I mean, if a man comes from a particular religious background and that ser serves him to think about that in this way, then obviously we, we welcome that. But spirituality for us, for me anyway, really is around two areas. The first is what are the practices that men have in their life that are tapping them into powers that are greater than themselves? What are the practices that they have that are enlivening them? What are the practices that they have that are giving them access to power to act in the world in ways that would serve those other pillars? That's, that's one. So how are you tapped into powers that are greater than yourself? You might call that a God, but you also might, that, that might be just meditation or reading or being out in nature, right? What are the spiritual practices that you have as a part of your daily, weekly life? And secondarily, what is the meaning that you're assigning to the things that you have? I do think that that the longer that we live as men in the world, the less that the things that used to light us up continue to light us up. And so how do we find greater levels of meaning in the brotherhood, in the men that we have, in the relationships that we have, in the family life that we have, in the daily work that we have? How do we bring back fulfillment and what are the things that we need to do in order to do that? And we spend an entire year with men yeah. deepening in these pillars. And I, I invite any man listening to ask yourself, reflect on these five pillars. Where might you be strong and practiced in one of these five pillars? And where might you be not practiced, maybe weak, maybe unsupported, unresourced, not resourced well? Again, the five pillars are brotherhood, intimacy, purpose, family and spirituality. And the way that I, I visually, the way I think about it, you know, when we first started this, I thought, well, these are all kind of equal pillars. Well, it's true that, that I do think that they are in some ways, but I also think that when I didn't have a brother, I wasn't standing on any pillar there. But if you think about the five pillars as like a progression, that if you have a brotherhood pillar, you're, you get elevated to a certain level. And if you add the intimacy pillar, you get elevated to a new level. And then the purpose and then the family and the spirituality, it really is about a progression of elevation by which we can expand by figuring out what pillar do we need the, the, the most help with, right? What are, oftentimes we'll ask men, okay, look, what are the three areas of your life that you know you must elevate in order for you to come to life more fully? Well, for some men, it's like, I, I need, I need a men around me. I need to really figure out what I'm doing on a daily basis. And I want my relationship to thrive. And then we get to dive into, okay, well then what would that look like? What are the things that what would need to happen over the next year? And men get clear about those things. So for you, regardless of whether or not you join a program, for you, the men that are listening to this, what are the three areas of your life that in the next year of your life, you know you must elevate because it matters for, your, for, for you to feel like your life matters? Yeah. When, I, when, when we were 
early in this work. I, I was strongest, I think, in the, the spirituality pillar. I'd been mm. practicing and been mm. seeking and reading and learning and studying yeah. for you know two decades already. Yeah. Spirituality. But that did not do shit for my intimacy. <laughs> my relationships were disasters. Oh, I'm right? laughing because me too. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And purpose. I also feel I was strong in purpose. As I said, when I was in my early 20s, I got clear. I was clear on what the hell, in a way, I, I mean... Again, my articulation of it has evolved as I've just yeah. grown and matured and understood things at a deeper level. But the, that core purpose has followed me. It's really been a light, a guiding light inside of me. But again, I, I mean, that, that did not give me brotherhood with men. That's not entirely true. I, I'm, I'm realizing, you know, I, that purpose and my spirituality drew me. It, it actually brought me to manage that music band, Here to Here. Mm. And I got five brothers, but I wasn't looking for them. I just was clear in my purpose. So, I, you know, I like what you say, Tate, that that progression. I had spirituality and purpose I was really strong and practiced in. And those gave way then. They did eventually give, give way to, yeah. to, you know, my purpose drove me into intimacy, into the study of intimacy. I want to know more about love. How do you love another person? How do you yeah. love yourself? Right? That's what helped me strengthen the int intimacy pillar and so on. And I think the, the one that I'm really coming into is family. You know, my wife and I are even right now con contemplating very seriously a, a move to simply live with my family for a mm. time in Maryland. I never wanted to go back to Maryland. And here right. we are on the verge of going back right. to, to be with family. You know, I've got a six, seven-year-old niece that I, I want to be in her life. I never wanted that before. So, uh, you know, it's deeply enriching to be activated in these pillars. And I, I think what we're, what we're advocating is that the men who are focusing on these five pillars, what that leads them to is being fully enlivened, having them be deeply or powerfully on purpose and to be deeply supported in their life. And let's pause here because this is, this is vital. This is critical. I mean, in the time that we've been doing this, as you and I are men, we've been working with men intimately now for coming up on four years. I mean, we've, we've put what, maybe 50 guys or so through our various in-depth in program. yeah. coaching programs. And this is what we've learned that men want. Can you say that again? Yeah, that, that men want to be fully enlivened. They want to have a, a life force flowing through them that have them feel alive, right? That's number one. Number two is that they want to be powerfully on purpose. They want mm -hmm. to be oriented in a way that they feel like their life matters, that they're making an impact in the world in ways that that they say matter to them. And then the third, that most men don't always know that they need, but when it happens for them, they know that they can't live the rest of their life without it. And that's to be deeply supported. I think to feel deeply supported, most men turn to money. If I have enough money, then I'll feel supported. Yeah. If I have a woman who just does everything that I need her to do, then I'll feel supported. I think men, the place we go, well, probably for all of those, the places that we go to feel enlivened. Yeah. Alcohol, drugs, sex, That's right. That's porn, right. That's right. Making money, et cetera. They, they're actually, they only leave us typically feeling numb, checked out. Yeah. Feeling powerfully on purpose. Again, right? the political world right now is just the, the mm. world is so divided because men are trying to be powerful in these ways that are not fucking helpful. Right. But we've got to put our power somewhere. We, 
you know, we need to be oriented in some direction. So we're, we're, we're on purpose, but often expressing our purpose in ways that don't matter. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and we know it. And I, I do believe that, that for most men, they will get the, what you're speaking to is that they will get these needs met for them in one of two ways. They are either going to be healthy or they're going to be unhealthy. Right. But but we will have these things happen. The problem is when we get enlivened in ways that don't really enliven us, they yeah. end up numbing us. Yeah. And and when we yeah. think that we're going to be powerfully on purpose, then we we only do things that give us a little bit of relief, but not a lot. Yeah, like I'll tell you, you know, video games, like I have to be careful because I can feel <laughs> powerful and on purpose in a fucking <laughs> Call of Duty game. Yeah. But that shit does nothing for my wife. It does nothing for the men that I work with, for my community. So I'm not against it. I play. Not at all. But I have to be careful to not take it too far. Because we will get our needs met in either healthy or unhealthy (laughs) ways. And the question is, which ones are we leaning into more? And for so much of my life, I met it in any way possible, as fast as possible. And fast was not usually long. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, again, it wasn't helpful to the people around you that yeah. needed you, yeah. needed you to be enlivened in the ways that would serve. Well, and, and for what purpose do we want to be enlivened on purpose and deeply supported? Well, I think for most of us men, we, we want to experience freedom in the world. We want to have agency to go out in the world and, and do things that really matter to us and to speak our minds and to have our freedom be front and center. And what's also critical for us is that we feel connected to things that matter. It, it's, it's not an either or proposition. Sometimes we go towards freedom and then we get disconnected from the people that really matter. But when we are enlivened on purpose and deeply supported, we get to experience both freedom and connection. Yeah. So we're, we're rounding the, the final part of our conversation today. What's in the way of mm. men? You know, they've just listened to our laying out this map of the five pillars. And it's my hope, it's my belief that for most men, this is going to resonate deeply. Something that we've said yeah. here is going to, to speak deeply to a yearning, yeah. a longing, a need, a desire, an ambition. What, what's in the way for men, Tate? Uh, this is not, again, in any particular order, but one of the things that is standing in our way is the cynicism that we carry with us. It's the voice of cynicism that's often rooted in being skeptical, being negative, sarcasm, criticism, distrust. It, it often sounds like I don't matter. It doesn't matter. Nothing's going to change. It's all going downhill. What's the point? There is a part of every man that is looking at the world with a cynical view that I have to live like this forever, that nothing's going to improve. And when we come from a cynical place, we can be sure that nothing is going to get elevated. That's the first thing that I think that we we deal with. I, I think the second thing that we deal with that holds us back from being enlivened on purpose and deeply supported is the ways that we have a tendency to isolate as men, the way we have a tendency to lone wolf through our life. And the more challenges that we face, the more isolated that we typically become. And there's no way to feel bigger when we're alone in the world. I think that the the third thing that we face that holds us back are the ways in which we numb out as men in our life. 
the way that we will watch porn incessantly, the way that we will not just play video games, but obsess about them, the way that we will look at our portfolios incessantly about what investments we should be making and how much we should be leveraged in this way or that way, or the way that we just numb out in our work alone. Every man is numbing out in one way or another. And unless we get clear about it and, and break through that, we are not going to be as enlivened on purpose and as supported as we need to be. Before yeah. you go on, I just want to add, add yeah. to that. I think a lot of men, and I've certainly experienced this, are numb or at least can't fully enjoy. Mm. Yes. Even, even very successful men often can't fully enjoy what they've created or experiencing because I think there's loss, grief. That from past losses, whether it's relationships, mm. people, whatever, that we are not grieving, That's that powerful. we don't know how to grieve. And, and our inability, Stephen Jenkins says, we are grief illiterate. Yes. And our illiteracy around grief, we yes. end up becoming just numb, unable yeah. to fully enjoy our lives. So true. So true. So the fourth thing that holds men back is the way in which men get disoriented, which is just another way of saying not having clarity about what to do next, not having clarity about which direction he should be going in, not having clarity about what really even matters to him and his life, what his being disoriented around, what his needs and desires are as a man, right? We have a tendency to get disoriented. And when we're disoriented, we're directionless. That's the fourth thing. And then the last thing that I think that really holds men back are the, the ways in which men ultimately feel powerless, feel powerless to impact the relationship that they're in, feel powerless to impact the work that they say matters to them, feeling powerless around, you know, not having practices that really deeply serve him and, and instead actually has practices that are sabotaging men in ways that he in some ways are clear about in other ways he isn't. So I think those are the five things, the ways that men are cynical, isolated, numb, disoriented, and powerless in his life. And unless those things get confronted, the chance of quote unquote, elevating his life is, is all but impossible. Yeah. So Tate, how, how do you want to wrap this conversation up today? Well, I think that one of the things that would be really helpful for men to think about as a first step into living an elevated life is the necessity for men to develop a powerful vision for what they want for themselves over the next year of their life. To really get clear about what are the three areas of your life that you know you must elevate and what are the three things that you really believe are standing in the way of you doing that? Because Stephen Pressfield, the author of The War of Art, one of the things that he presents in his book, which I think is absolutely true, is that the thing that is standing in the way of who you are now and the man that you want to be is it ultimately boils down to one thing, and that is your resistance. What is really holding you back from elevating your life? And the paradox, of course, is that we have to, as men, be able to hold two things simultaneously, which is what is the inspired vision that we have about what we really want to do over the next year and what is ultimately going to hold us back from living into that. And most men live in either world, which is that they're so consumed with what's holding them back 
or they only have a vision about what they want and they have no idea what's about to trip them up along the way and have them feel disoriented and powerless when they try to step into it. So I want to end this really with a, a call to men about getting real clear about what you want for yourself in your life and figuring out what's standing in the way of you getting that. Powerful, man. Yeah, really beautiful. And well, I tell you, Tate, it just, it is uh, the privilege of a lifetime, man, to get to do this work with you. Oh, man. And no doubt. I feel like we're just getting started. Yeah, yeah we, I, I was, I was laughing with somebody recently who made the decision that, that now was not the time to, to join this, but he was like, man, I, I want to work with you guys. It's not the right time for me to do that. And I said to him, well, Brian and I have essentially said that we don't ever plan on retiring. So, you know, <laughs> this is the kind of work that we we plan on doing for our lifetime. So yeah. when you're ready, we're ready. Yeah. Yeah. And again, if this is speaking to you, if you're a woman listening and you know that there's a man in your life, whether it's a brother or a friend or your partner who would be served by this. I mean, when we men get together, gather together in safe and trustable and challenging ways, right? I mean, that's the thing that I love about our work is we essentially stand for, we do four practices, right? We witness each other. We witness each other, hold each other, witness, see each other in our, what we're carrying, our struggles, our challenges, all of that. We deep, deep witnessing. We support each other. You know, we, whatever that may look like, whether it's just encouragement, whether it's resources that we may have, mm. whether it's just, again, our presence, you know, just our empathic listening and, and loving on each other. Or a gift that we have to bring, right? We have right. gifts as men to offer to the world. And oftentimes we don't know where to go to give those gifts, but totally. that's what we need for the support. That's right. Gifts that other men have to offer. And the third thing we do is we do challenge each other. And we spoke to this earlier in our conversation, Tate. You and I did not know how to respectfully challenge each other in our yeah. early days when we were going through some stuff. When we and, were and both the key word there is respectfully. Right? Respectfully challenge each other, right? Not take away each other's agency, not tell each other what you should or shouldn't do, but to, to hold up a mirror of reflection for the sake of allowing each other to really check in to whether or not I'm doing the thing that I know I should be doing or That's whether right. there's an, another possibilities, right? We challenge yeah. each other. Yeah. And the last thing that we do that we men are so <laughs> bad at, unpracticed, we're just not practiced, is we yeah. celebrate yeah. each other. We yeah. celebrate our victories. We celebrate where we are showing up, where we are winning, where we are succeeding in the ways that, are, that, that matter. So- Witness, support, challenge, and celebrate. The ripple effects of that in a man's life are, I mean, night and day. It just, it's, a, it, it's an it, entirely different reality. That is the epitome of what it really means to hold each other accountable. Men know that they are not succeeding in their life because they don't have accountability at levels that would deeply serve them. I resisted accountability because I experienced it like you're just going to yell at me when I don't do what I said I was going to do. And that's, that's a way that we resist accountability as men. But when we really are willing to say what there is to say, when we're willing to ask for help, when we're willing to be challenged, when we know we're not living up to the, the, what we say matters, and when we're willing to celebrate even the small things, that's when we start to come to life more fully, when we're held in a way that we can come to life together as men to elevate our life. That's accountability that I'm, I'm all in for. Yep. So 
If this speaks, go to Brian Reeves, Brian with a Y, reeves.com slash elevate. Go and apply as soon as possible. We are filling up, as I said, only 10 men will be invited on this journey. And so far, and we're only still in October at the time of this recording, this will come out in November. So we may even have filled more spots, but we, we've already filled three. We only have seven spots left and we begin in January. So there's mm. time and there's also no time like right now. Indeed. So thank you, brother Tate. Always thank a you, pleasure, brother. Man. Can't wait. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you again to my old friend and co-facilitator, Tate Arendt. You can learn more about what we're up to in Elevate 2024, our year-long adventure for men committed to thriving in every domain of life at brianreeves.com slash elevate. It's Brian with a Y, reeves.com slash elevate. Remember, we're only inviting 10 men to this experience and already three spots have been claimed. We've only got seven left and we get new applications almost every day. It's not for everyone, but if you think it might be a good fit for you, apply now at brianreeves.com slash elevate. And also remember, please leave a review on your podcast app and if I read your review in a future episode, I'll hook you up with free access to one of my online courses like Love, Sex, Relationship Magic or Boundaries, Relationships Suck Without Them. And don't forget to subscribe yourself while you're at it. I'm your thriving life and relationship coach, Brian Reeves, Brian with a Y, Reeves. Until soon, keep your head up, your breath relaxed and your thoughts inspired. <laughs>